Baxter Holmes, you've been researching for a long time a story about Spurs coach Greg Popovich, who's going to be enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. Tell us how this story came about. Yeah, so back in 2017, I was working on a story for ESPN the magazine about the booming wine culture amongst NBA players. Guys like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and so on. And while I was working on this story, it seemed like everybody in the food and wine world who I talked to and asked about players, they would always lead with some story about Greg Popovich and his obsession with food and wine and fine dining and these elaborate team dinners and how important they were to forging uh, a culture and team chemistry and bonds and all of this. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's not necessarily like the story I'm working on. I'll keep this material for another day. And so I worked on the first story and then I came back to later the story um, on Pop. And while I was working on that, people started mentioning me like, yeah, and he's, you know, really into this famous uh, old sweet wine out of, out of France. We're talking about Chateau de Chem here that, uh, you know, has, has been around for a long time, is very acclaimed, like a lot of famous people throughout history have been drawn to it in weird, obsessive ways, and he's really, really into it. Um, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. One of the things that I've known about Greg Popovich for a long time is how he loves to share experiences over meals and his love of wine. Although dessert wine is a little bit surprising here because probably the most famous thing about Pop, outside of his excellence as a coach, is that he is anything but sweet, particularly when he deals with the media. Okay, what do you want? I'm so tired of this. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Have you been in these sessions before? I've said this like 10 times, and I'm not writing your article for you. Ask one of your colleagues. Are you going to start? Can somebody else start? Because these questions are like unanswerable. They make no sense. I can, I can suffer one or two more. And then I got to go eat and probably have a glass. What are some of the details about this particular wine, Chateau de Chem, that reflect everything that Popovich also stands for? This was what led me to the story. I was mentioning this very fact to a master sommelier, and he paused and he said, you know, that's really interesting that he likes that wine because it's one of the oldest wines, you know, that still consistently for centuries has been making an amazingly consistent product. And they do not sacrifice for quality. They're detail-crazed, maniacal. He's like, there's a lot of parallels between the Spurs, like being very good over a very long period of time and consistent. So he said, so I don't really think it's a... A, a surprise as to why he likes that wine. I bet in that wine, he sees some of himself and some of his own process. And there's kind of a mutual respect in a way. Um, this, this relentless pursuit of perfection, but not only perfection, but sustained perfection, which obviously, you know, we talk about Pop going into the Hall of Fame. You know, many say that's been mirrored throughout his career in San Antonio, now the winningest coach in NBA history. And so in 2019, when Team USA, which Pop was the head coach of, was here in L.A., I walked up to him to talk about uh, this. And look, 
the last thing that Pop ever wants to talk about is himself. We all know right. that. Is Ehu especially. <laughs> but when I brought this up that people had mentioned to me, you know, his obsession with this wine and how he can kind of see some of himself in it and their attention to detail, the consistency, this kind of relentless pursuit of perfection, but also, you know, trying to do it in a sustained way over a long period of time. He didn't hesitate. He said, yes, absolutely. And as somebody who is used to two-word answers from Pop, but unexpected two-word answers from Pop, that said a lot, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I was I was not expecting, uh, you know, much of anything from him, but his face lit up as I was talking about it. He was nodding along. It was clear that I had struck a chord. And as I had interviewed, you know, over to this point that we're talking today, more and more people... Um, about this particular love and affection that he has with this wine, it really became clear to me how deep this goes for him. This weekend, Coach Greg Popovich will be enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame. His resume? 27 years as a head coach of the Spurs, five NBA championships, and more wins than any coach in history an unparalleled legacy of sustained excellence. And when the ceremony's over, Coach Pop will likely celebrate with a bottle of his favorite wine that's also known for its centuries of unparalleled, sustained excellence. So today, Baxter Holmes tells the story of the symbiotic relationship between the NBA's all-time winningest coach and the one after-dinner drink that could be called his equal. I'm Israel Gutierrez, it's Thursday, August 10th. This is ESPN Day. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Baxter, before we get back to Greg Popovich, can you explain this Chateau de Chem? What makes this particular wine so sought after? So, first of all, been around for a very long time. The property dates back to the 1500s. It's been a winery since about the 1700s. This is a Bordeaux wine, but it's in the Sauterne region of Bordeaux where they make a dessert wine. And one of the first things that I, I think is important to note is the way that it's made. What I would say that makes it different than other kinds of wines or styles of wine is that it relies on a particular kind of fungus that basically attacks the grapes, shrivels them up, and creates powerful, complex flavors. But... It's very finicky, and it makes it very challenging to make that wine. It's one of the most challenging things to make. It requires constant attention. But 
The end product is this thing that for centuries has drawn people under its spell. A lot of big name historical figures, certainly Pop is not uh, the most famous pe person in that canon. If there's an important dinner, odds are at the end of the night, the Chateau de Cam is what's gonna be in everyone's glass. It is the finale for a lot of really, really important kinds of wine dinners, heads of state, what have you, celebrities, things like that. It's what's called upon in that moment. Okay, Baxter, I need to know more about this finicky fungus you were talking about. I think it's called uh, botrytis, botrytis. It affects the grapes in a way that gives them this flavor that you mentioned. But if it's not perfect, as you say, what does that mean? As we mentioned, it starts with the fungus, right? But it's, it can be very finicky, all of that. And if the wine isn't up to their standards, they just will not make a wine that year. Also, I would add this point. So the fungus that we talked about spreads unevenly, produces very little usable fruit to the point that each of their 700,000 vines is said to yield only as much as a single glass of wine each. I was talking to um, Master Sommelier uh, Paul Roberts about this, and he placed a chem in the top 0.1% of the world in winemaking in terms of their crazy attention to detail and this excruciating and unique process. And I talked to um, former Spur Boris Diaw, who's from Bordeaux and certainly knows the wine. Yeah. Very well. He has visited there and he said, if you wait too long, the fungus takes over and it's not good. If you don't wait long enough, it's not ready. It's got to be super precise in the way that it's made. It has to be perfect for them to make the wine. Otherwise, they won't make it. That's how perfect they want it. And that's happened before. They've gone years without making wine and just lose millions of dollars? Yes. So nine times since 1910, most recently in 2012. And they won't hesitate. If, if it's not up to their standards... That's it. No product that year. End of the story. They could obviously still try to make a subpar product, but for their reputation, their brand, everything that they've stood for for a very long period of time, they believe that it's not worth it, even though obviously it's uh, quite a loss on the ledger if they don't make anything that year. It doesn't seem like a very efficient use of grapes, which efficiency <laughs> is something that Popovich uh, deems kind of important in basketball. But I understand sort of the standard that goes into it, the attention to detail that goes into it. He's also not alone. I mean, you mentioned this winery being around since the 1700s. He's not alone in his respect for this particular wine. So let's do some name dropping here. Who else has been associated over history with this particular wine? Well, one of the most famous people is Thomas Jefferson. He visited the Chateau in the 1780s and he later ordered uh, 250 bottles of the 1784 vintage. In 1859, and this is one of my favorite facts, Great Duke Constantine, brother of Tsar Alexander I of Russia, paid an astronomical 20,000 gold francs for a 900 liter barrel of Dechem. And that doing so helped establish one of the wine's nicknames, Liquid Gold. He basically paid for it in its weight in gold. It was said to be prominently featured in Joseph Stalin's extensive wine cellar. And as recently as 2011, an 1811 vintage of Dechem fetched $117,000 at auction, becoming the most expensive bottle of white wine ever sold. And here I thought liquid gold was just a reference to those boxed macaroni and cheese items. Um, so, okay, so we've mentioned Greg Popovich. We've now broken down this dessert wine that has been so sought after. 
for centuries. Now, let's bring Greg Popovich back into this conversation. You wrote about a meeting in March of 2022 when the sort of worlds of wine and basketball collided. What happened there? Right. So this was took place in Beverly Hills, um, initially at least. Um, and, and I was dining with a gentleman from DeKem, uh, the estate manager, and then uh, a marketing and sales director at LVMH, which bought DeKem in 1999. They were in the U.S., making the rounds to showcase the new 2019 vintage of Dikem. But when I was meeting them, it was exciting for them because they were flying to San Antonio for a dinner with Greg Popovich. So, and they certainly knew um, who he was, you know, big uh, fans and admirers uh, of him. I mean, we could take a step back and say that, that Pop is certainly known in France, I mean, on a number of levels, you know, having coached some of their finest exports in terms of Great basketball players, guys like Tony Parker, Boris Diaw, and now Victor Weminyama is going to join um, on that list. But, I, you know, people there, and I know winemakers there who have talked about a high level of respect for him and his obsession with arguably France's another of their greatest exports, which is wine. So a lot of mutual respect in that way. They were asking me a lot of questions about, you know, how does he achieve success for like a two decade long run in San Antonio and, and his management style and his leadership skills and all of that? Like, how does he, you know, not sacrifice quality and the ebbs and flows and all of that? But they were also excited. They were bringing in 1949 to Kim, an acclaimed vintage, and also Popovich's birth year. That's right. Um, so they, they fly down the next day. They meet with Pop and various first staffers, have a great dinner. It's a lot of elite wines on the table and they get to hear stories from him uh, about management and leadership and whatnot. But for as special as it is for them, and, and make no mistake, you know, it was a real treat. It is very, very special to Pop. You know, I, I talked to a gentleman uh, named Michael Thiessen who played basketball with Pop at the Air Force Academy. They both got into wine in Northern California in the late 60s, early 1970s. And he was telling me, he's like, look, this wine has been there since the beginning. It is, it is one of the ones that helped kind of lit the flame for Pop so many years ago, and they, it has consistently been there forever since. So something that he, he really loves, but also respects deeply the way that they approach uh, this relentless pursuit of perfection year after year, consistency, never relenting on quality and attention to detail and all of that. So it was deeply meaningful in that way. It was kind of a game-recognizing game, if you will. Coming up, the ultimate pairing of legacies. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist, 
who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, Baxter, as you got deeper into this story and you learned more and more about how Greg Popovich appreciates this particular wine, you also got familiar with another move from Coach, which is to shut you down. Because outside of those very rare, enthusiastic two words he said to you, yes, absolutely, right? Uh, he wouldn't talk to you about this, <laughs> which is a hallmark move for anything Popovich likes to not talk about it at all. Yeah, no surprise. But there were plenty of people around Popovich who were more than happy to speak for him. Um, and one of the things, it was, it was a special treat talking to Boris Diel when I was asking about the kind of the parallels between the two institutions and, you know, the, the approaches and all of these, uh, Boris told me, he said, quote, Pop takes inspiration in a lot of different things in different ways. He is always going to respect somebody that tries to be the best year after year after year. Former Spurs assistant Chad Forcier said he has the same value system and the same commitment to detail and to excellence. But the person who I thought put this best and a real leader in the hospitality movement, somebody who who has taken care of Pop a number of times as a kind of a restaurant empire in Colorado, is a master sommelier by the name of Bobby Stuckey. And he said, quote, it really is the perfect wine for him. Their attention to detail is so maniacal and his attention to detail is so maniacal. They're the perfect human wine pairing. Dekem gets what they're doing and he gets what he's doing. And for a long time, I've been around long enough that you see wineries go through down phases. Maybe there's a lack of motivation with the winemaker or the family or whatever. DeKem doesn't have that lack of motivation, and neither does Popovich. And when you think about Chateau DeKem having to be perfect in order to put out their vintage, it very much reminds me of the 2013 finals where the Spurs were that close and mm -hmm. basically had the championship in their back pocket. They were within view of it. It was within sight of them, and they lost after that devastating game six. Here's a three, blocked by Bosch, no foul, full game over. The Heat have rallied from off the mat to win game six, 103 to 100 in overtime. And then in game seven. The Miami Heat win game seven and win the series four games to three. The final score, Miami 95, San Antonio 88. And the next year, their answer was be more perfect. And they mm. actually were more perfect and looked like the perfect basketball team by the time they got to the finals in 2014. And there's a whistle, and this ball game is over. The San Antonio Spurs have won the NBA championship. The Spurs have captured their fifth NBA championship. It's time to celebrate, San Antonio. I was talking to somebody in the wine world, and they were mentioning you know, like perfect vintages. And 
you know, wineries, like every so often, like the weather's perfect and all the stars align and something, and you can make like a perfect vintage. It's maybe your most famous, whatever. And I was actually thinking about the 2014 Spurs and that finals performance against the Miami Heat. You know, I remember the 2017 Warriors, like unbelievable, but in the years of, of pop and the five championships and all the, the great runs all throughout that 2014, if you were to think of perfection, like the perfect vintage of like perfect basketball, I don't know if I can, I don't know if there's anything that, that tops it. Well, he's got the perfect vintage, if you will, the 2014 Spurs in his personal basketball cellar. But what about his wine cellar? Let's talk about his personal collection. What does that look like? Right. So I talked to uh, Boris Diaw and he was recalling the first time that he ever visited. Um, and this was in 2001. Now, at the time, I believe Pop has since moved. And I don't I, I can't tell you what his cellar looks like right now in the year 2023. But at the time, this was a recently finished above ground cellar. Um, 12 feet by 20 feet, you know, perfectly cool to um, 58 degrees, a Spanish chandelier hanging from the ceiling, there's stone tile uh, from Chicago, big heavy wooden door imported from Spain, like, you know, very, very elegant and, and classy. But uh, one of the things that I think is just the coolest detail about it is that it's built with this Sisterdale cream stone that's the same golden color as his favorite wine. Yes, the same color is Chateau de Cam. One of the, the other fun things that uh, will always stick with me, and this is from a 2006 interview with Wine Spectator magazine, but Pop was talking about the one thing that keeps him up at night was unrelated to basketball. And instead he was referring to what will happen to his then 3000 bottle wine collection, which included Imperials of 1990 de Cam. And he said, quote, how am I going to drink all this before I croak? Then you end up having nightmares that your kids are going to inherit the wine and mix it with 7-Up and make, make sangria. Whether or it's ready or not, the Dekem is going to get drunk, you know, by him, obviously. Right. Quote, those bottles will not be passed on. Wow. I did not have, first of all, Pop as a dessert wine enthusiast. And we just learned that the dessert wine is gold, like the Larry O'Brien trophy that he's so fond of but he's also a hoarder of that wine and he will not pass it down to his children. That is not a side of Greg Popovich I was very familiar with. Yeah, it really speaks to his his love of that. I mean, it's one of the things with, with wine, look, a, a lot of wine, you, you buy it and then you age it. Right. And at a certain point in life, you probably start thinking about what's going to happen the rest of it. But yeah, there's a determination there. He wants to He wants to be enjoying that wine for as long as he can. That's how special it is to him. Well, what can you tell us about one night in Seattle that sort of encapsulate that very truth? So this is November 2007. Spurs are fresh off winning their fourth championship in eight years. They're riding high. And Pop is hosting his coaching staff at a restaurant named Canlis. Now, that's kind of a fine dining destination in Seattle. One of the best there, family owned, long time. You know, it's the, it's the spot. He arrives early. Because like in basketball, you need to scout, you need to think of matchups. And that's very, very important to him. I can't emphasize that enough. Of course. And he's talking to the wine director and he's, you know, deciding on food and the wine and the pairings and what to bring out and all the, going over all the details. I mean, it's a total game plan. Is he by himself here or does Popovich have any help in this process? He's talking with the wine director, a gentleman named Nelson uh, DeQuip, who he's known for a long time and Pop builds close relationships with a lot of the, the wine directors and sommeliers and master sommeliers 
in a lot of these uh, in a lot of these establishments. And so, very serious uh, wine discussions are going on here. And for matchup number one, he wants to go with a showdown of Krug Champagnes, the nineteen ninety vintage versus the nineteen eighty eight, which is you know arguably Krug's top vintage ever. Then Pop wants to. Uh, he thinks that some of the guests might prefer some richer Chardonnay. So he's going to opt for kind of an American versus France showdown. He's going to go for, on the American side, Peter Michael, one of the top, you know, Chardonnay producers um, here in the States, uh, going against a white burgundy from uh, Domaine Cocherie, which is one of the most coveted and expensive producers in the world. And then he says to Nelson, he's like, all right, cool. Let's stop there. Let's think about Reds down the road. He's, he's, I see my coaching staff coming in. We got the first half set, right? So then... As Pop is making his uh, pairings, you know, he says to Nelson, you know, Nelson, this is what it's about. You got to you got to have a game plan if you're going to have success in life. Right. And Dequip, who's taking care of him a ton of times, tells me he always loves these moments when the talk about wine leads to something bigger, such as the time when he asked Pop for the one thing that he'd say in a huddle right before game seven. And when he asked him that, Pop grabbed Dequip by the shoulders and said, look around. Everyone here should be playing for each other. If you don't have that, if you don't feel that, you're not going to win. Back to this get-together in 2007. How did this night end? So after all the courses, all the wines and everything else, it ends the same way that many of Pop's nights end, with a bottle of his legendary and his beloved Chateau de Chem, but not just any bottle tonight. So Pop and Dequip are going back and forth like two coaches during a timeout searching for a game-winning play. They're, they're going over all the different vintages that, that Camless has and discussing, you know, what Pop has had, what's showing well. I didn't really like this one. That would be, you know, and he wants something that has some age to it that's kind of distinct and everything. So they're comparing all these notes, and then eventually they arrive at the 1975 Dequem, which experts have uh, referred to as heaven in a glass. It was a benchmark vintage. The weather was great and all the stars aligned, you know, for them to make a great uh, wine that year. And Popovich, sa Popovich says, that's it. That's the play. Let's do it. So Nelson goes down to the cellar. He gets it, you know, opens it carefully. He wants to make sure the wine is sound, that it's, it's showing as well as it possibly can. Brings it over to Pop. You know, Pop, he, he, he gives him a small pour. Pop smells it. He's, he tilts it up against the light. He's looking and examining it. Then he takes this fateful sip. The, the table is quiet at this point. And Pop just, he, he finally says, that's it. That's exactly it. You know, like that's, this is why no one can match Chateau de Kemp. And um, after the night is over, uh, Nelson keeps that empty bottle. He keeps it in the candlestick cellar for years to come. And, you know, kind of in a section where they would keep other famous bottles that people had enjoyed. And every time he would walk by it, he would be, he would think back to that night and how that bottle, which in Chateau de Kim is known for aging forever. People will drink bottles of it now that, you know, were made a hundred years ago and it still holds up great. But Nelson would be, he'd walk by it and he would think about how that bottle had stood the test of time, just like the coach would savor it. Well, I'm about to pour myself a glass, Baxter. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.